Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, January sixteenth. 2024, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope you're all doing well. I am Mike Heck. We are coming off of the first UFC event of 2024. Back at the world's most famous apex, we saw Makabed and Goliath knock out Johnny Walker in round two. He exercised some demons. Maybe he gets himself a title shot. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see what happens. Jim Miller just paving the road to UFC 300. Dominates, finishes Gabriel Benitez in round three. Big win for Mario Batista. Big knockout for Bruno Ferreira. Waldo Cortez Acosta won, but did he win in our hearts? Probably not. Good win for Preston Parsons. Marcus McGee continues to do Marcus McGee things. Fareed Basharat, what a performance from him against a really good opponent in Taylor Lapalus. Gian Silva, Jesus, I don't even know what to say about the day he had, but it was a memorable one, that's for sure. Nicholas Mota, big upset win over Tom Nolan and Josh Van, looking like one of the best prospects, not just at 125, but in the entire sport right now. Just goes through and bulldozes Felipe Bunez in round two. And that's UFC Vegas 84. But now, my friends, we are getting ready for UFC 297, the first pay-per-view of the year. Two title fights. We get Sean Strickland versus Drickus Duplessis. You know the heat is going to get turned up to a billion throughout the fight week. we got Raquel Pennington, Mara Buena Silva for the vacant women's bantamweight championship. We have Mike Malott. Canada's own taking on Neil Magny. Chris Curtis back in action against Canada's own Marc-Andre Berriot. 
And then my favorite fight on the entire card, and this includes the main event, main card rounds out with Arnold Allen versus Mobzar of Loyev. What a freaking fight that is at 145 pounds. And this is going to be a fun watch, my friends. Is it as loaded as 298 and 299? No, but this is going to be a fun watch. The Toronto crowd is going to be going bananas. And there's just going to be a lot of fun fights here. Brad Katona, Garrett Armfield, is going to be a fun fight. Charles Jordan, Sean Woods, it's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a lot of fun fights on this card. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting back to New York. Looking forward to reuniting with my man GC and crew for the first time in 2024. And since we last spoke, there are some fights announced as well. Davis and Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt for UFC 300. We confirmed before this, but Dana did announce that Rose Namajunas versus Amanda Hibas, March 23rd. That's the main event at the world's most famous Apex. Tai Tuivasa, Marching Tybora got moved to a main event. And what else? Sean Brady versus Vicente Luque announced to headline UFC Atlantic City. I told you guys last week there's something being discussed. What I was told even as as close to as the day before was the Brady-Luke fight was still being talked about, but it was kind of far away from being done. And then Dana comes out and announces it. So I was like, all right, cool. Looks like we're we're a go. So that's a good main event. We still have Aaron Blanchfield versus Manon Fiora on that, on that card as well. Uh, so UFC Atlantic City is shaping up to be nice. And then a lot of other news happened yesterday. Ariel Helwani, you might know that gentleman from a little show called the MMA Hour, announces that, or he reports that UFC Saudi Arabia, which was scheduled for March 2nd, uh, no longer happening March 2nd, possibly being moved to June. And as of yesterday, because obviously I saw this, and I had the day off, but I still, when you see something like this, you want to do your due diligence and ask questions, etc. cetera. Uh, I reached out to multiple people who may or may not know, uh, some managers, etc. At the time Ariel reported this, nobody was told anything, but it doesn't mean that the report is wrong. If Ariel's reporting it, in my eyes, it's as good as, it's as good as gospel. But this does, these things happen sometimes. Sometimes a reporter will make an announcement, make the report, and the promotion does not even tell anybody what's happening. It happens a lot, whether it's news like this or fight announcements, etc. It happens sometimes. So as of now, I've not been able to officially confirm this, but... Ariel obviously has relationships, talks to some high-ranking folk over in Saudi Arabia, and he's being told that the card is not good enough, so they're not going to do it March 2nd. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because we still didn't have a main event yet. We're running out of options here. And for what Saudi Arabia and what they're trying to do in the combat sports landscape, they're just not going to be like, yeah, we'll just take this card you want to put together. No, they want they want big fights. They want loaded cards. Everybody else that has gone there has brought a loaded card, has brought something big to the table. Uh, 
And I don't know if like the UFC just kind of like overbooked themselves in some respect. Maybe they didn't just plan it out. And that happens. Look, when you have to put on 42, 43 fight cards a year, including pay-per-views and you're going back to Mexico City and you're doing all these big events, it's tough. It's tough to to even it all, all out. But Saudi Arabia is a place where you have to put forth your best effort, especially when they're paying you $20 million to host a card. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can confirm this and we'll see if they end up back in June, which honestly, with everything else going on over there, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Now, does that mean we're going to go back to the world's most famous apex? Possibly. But more on that to come. So, so I just laid out a lot there. And let's hear what you all have to say. So let's get into this. CV, go ahead. What's up, Mike? Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I just came back from vacay. Um, feeling re-energized for this new year. Um, so regarding um, Saturday's main event, um, if you're like the UFC, since obviously this is like the first pay-per-view of the year, kind of sets the tone for everything. Um, do like if you're the UFC, do you have like an ideal like like winner for this fight just to like set up like the rest of the fights in the middleweight division and also like this has big implications for uh, 300 right like if one of the fighters like doesn't get too hurt like you know if they can make a quick turnaround so um just want to know your thoughts on that thank you sir uh glad you had a good vacay glad you're feeling re-energized yeah, I think this one is going to set the table for the middleweight division. I think this is a huge fight, not just for the middleweight division, but for the entire UFC. Because I, I do agree with you. I do think this fight will probably set up what we're going to see in the main event of UFC 300. It would not shock me if Israel Adesanya was in Toronto this week. It wouldn't shock me at all. And honestly, if I'm Israel Adesanya and I want to fight for the middleweight title sooner rather than later... Considering what this division looks like right now and some of these contenders that are on their way up, including the Hamzat Shemaevs of the world, you best put yourself in the headlines. You get in there and you get in somebody's face and you set up the next fight. Now, obviously, this is fighting. This is not ballet. Injuries happen. We're asking a fighter to turn around in less than three months and headline UFC 300 potentially against one of the best to ever do it in this weight class which is what I think is going to happen. I don't think the UFC really has a side here. I think it kind of lands pretty well either way. Now, I think possibly only because of what this guy is made of, and I'm not taking shots at the other side at all, there may be like a part, just a little bit more looking at Sean Strickland because – if anybody is going to turn around in two weeks or two months or two and a half months, Sean Strickland is going to be the guy. Sean will do it in a heartbeat. He will not hesitate. He will say, yeah, let's go. Remember what I told you guys before everything was all shaken up in Abu Dhabi. Once everything was announced, we figured out what was going on. I told you the story. Sean Strickland was ready to fight Hamzat Shumayev on that card in Abu Dhabi. He was ready to defend his title against Hamza Shemaev. In fact, Sean Strickland was the first phone call they made. Sean said yes, and then his team was like, no, dude, what the frig are you doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the champion now. You don't. You get to call the shots now. You get to dictate where, where we go. Uh, you don't just take fights. You're the champion of the world. So probably a smart decision all in all, especially on short notice after just winning the belt. But 
I think Sean is more likely to turn around quick. DDP, Izzy, obviously the, the, there's a little more heat there. So I don't think you can really go wrong either way, especially if the plan is UFC 300. Now, could Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis just beat the ever-living shit out of each other for 25 minutes? Very possible. But again, Sean would probably turn around if he physically could and didn't break a bone. DDP, we'll see. But I think this all kind of lands in the UFC's favor either way, unless both guys are just really dinged up, like real bad. But it's got to be interesting. It's a great first main event. This fight—it's gonna be the fight's gonna be bananas. It's gonna be absolute bananas. And if you want uh, some insight into the Sean Strickland side of things, uh, two things you could do: one, go to MMAfighting.com, tremendous website, Damon Martin. Uh, did a really in-depth piece about Sean Strickland interviewing his teammates, coaches, etc. And there's an interview with Eric Nixick that I did uh, that is on the YouTube channel as well. So check that out. Let's go to Lee. Hello, Lee. What's going on, Mike? Heck of a morning to you. You too. Uh, I just had um, a couple of things. Uh, with um with uh, the Saudi Arabia card being pushed back, do you think it makes uh, more sense to what uh, Islam was talking about with fighting Justin in June now? And then uh, two um, with uh, Sean Strickland saying that uh, you know he would stab Drickus if he brought up his childhood again. Um, <laughs> how do you think the UFC is going to handle like you know security protocols with that? You know what I mean? Because uh, it seems like Sean he might actually do it. <laughs> but anyway, have a, a heck of a morning, Mike. You know what? You made you made a super good point because I didn't even think about that. Islam saying, I'm going to fight Justin Gaethje, what, June 8th, I think is what he said. Huh. Maybe. Maybe he knew something that we didn't. Very interesting. Perhaps that fight night becomes a pay-per-view, which probably should have happened in the first place, if we're being honest for all the reasons that I just mentioned before. You can't just walk into Abu Dhabi with a fight night card. Or not Abu Dhabi. You can't walk into Saudi Arabia with a, with a fight night card. you got to bring the, bring the goods. And if you bring an event headlined by Islam Makachev versus Justin Gaethje, it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. So you might be absolutely right there. And I didn't even think about that with all the craziness yesterday. But I think part of it is because we didn't officially confirm it. But again, if Ariel reports it, to me, it's as good as gold. With the Strickland, there's going to be – here's a couple things that, that need to be made clear. One is the UFC is quite thrilled with what happened at UFC 296. They're quite thrilled that Drickus Duplessis and Sean Strickland got into a fight in the crowd. You can spin it however you want, but they are thrilled that that happened because wait till you see all the promo videos. It's going to be nothing but that. And guess what? I'm not knocking them for it. They absolutely should be doing that just like they should have been doing the, the Dolly incident with Connor and Habib. That's how it's pro wrestling. The roots of MMA is in professional wrestling. And the reason that the UFC is so successful is because they have taken that and they've run with it, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's what they should be doing. Having said that, I don't think they want to see Sean Strickland, their middleweight champion of the world, threatening or potentially stabbing his challenger before they get into a fist fight uh, in the main event of UFC 297. So 
I think there will be a lot of security. I think the UFC is going to be prepared for this. While they loved what happened in the crowd at 296, nobody got hurt. Sean Strickland handled himself great, asking the children to move out of the way so nobody in the crowd got, got hurt. It's about as good as you can ask for from a promotional stance, but you can't you can't go too much further than that. So I think Drickus has done some some interviews as well and has basically said, I don't need to bring it up anymore. Just look at him. I got into his head already. I'm already under his skin. So, But we'll see what happens when they do the press conference and we get to media day and things of that nature. I think the press conference is where things could get real ugly. Let's say hello to Toke. Hi, Toke. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this is about to be dumb, but I'm I'm gonna do it anyway. So, um, yeah. How do I start this even? So, um, what I'm gonna do is rob the entire Otno Bank with this. Okay. So the thing is, UFC 300. Um, Dana has over a month back. He said something about a super fight he didn't think was possible to get made, and all that stuff. And we all knew that he wasn't. He was very reluctant to let uh, Khabib go. He was. He kept saying, "Hey, I'm having meetings with him. We'll get him. We'll get him." I think. I know. I, what set me off was the Slatan Ibrahimovic uh, thing uh, on Instagram, which is nothing, probably nothing. But my conspiracy is that it might be something, and I think. Khabib would come back in a fight at 170 for 300. Problem is, I mean, the conspiracy here is also the UFC has not said anything about Connor and Chandler at all. They've ignored it, um, which I find very interesting because they want to promote those things. So Khabib Connor might be possible, but what I think. <laughs> could actually happen. And this is where the odd no points come in. I think they don't like to have Leon Edwards as a champion. <laughs> and uh, therefore, I am saying UFC 300 is main evented by Leon Edwards versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. This is, I'm sorry, I'm just fun. I'm just having fun, but I'm just going to say it anyway. See you, Mike. I hope you're not driving a vehicle right now because if you get pulled over, you might have to walk the plank, my friend. You might have uh, knocked back a couple of tokewisers this morning. That ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> Come on, man. That ain't going to happen. Habib has no interest in fighting again. None. There's nothing that would bring him back. Nothing. Javier Mendez even did a video about it too, because like there were these reports that they were training together, and Javier was like, "Yeah, we did train, but we didn't train like any MMA. We just did like some cardio together because we just happened to be in the same place." Why would Khabib come back to fight Leon Edwards? I would rather see like I have no interest in that whatsoever. Absolutely none. It's not going to happen. It would be hilarious if it did though, because Bilal Muhammad, from based on his interviews, is going over to train with Khabib. And it would be kind of funny if Paul was going over to get a B ready for the title shot. 
Oh, man. That'd be kind of funny. But no, that's not going to happen. We're going to get Leon Bilal more than likely at 300. And as as Jed likes to call it, it's the leafy green fight of the title fights. And he's not wrong. So no, that's not going to happen. I, I with you with the Connor Chandler thing because the UFC has not even acknowledged that fight exists, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Look, the UFC is on fire. They are printing money. Everything they do hits. It doesn't matter. So they can wait, and they again they could still maybe, like we said, Sean Strickland DDP just beat the holy hell out of each other. It's a bloody battle. It's Glover Yuri esque. And they just hammer each other for, for 23, 24, 25 minutes. Neither of them can turn around. And then the UFC is like, all right, shit, we got to do Connor Chandler. We have to do it because we can't do Leon Bilal. So maybe they go that route. I don't know. But like I said, I wouldn't rule out Connor in Chandler at this point because who knows? But again, just some advice manage your expectations for 300. Just manage them. And I think we'll all be happy you won't stress yourself out too much. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Four Corner Sports, go ahead. Four Corner Sports, try again. You're not connecting. Abzwalia, do we have you? Yeah. Uh, hope you're having a great day today. I just have two questions. Uh, my first question is, with Mavsa and Allen, uh, let's say on Mavsa's part, if he beats Allen convincing fashion, do you think he is next in line for the title shot possibly, or would he have to go through Max Holloway to earn that title shot? And my second question is, uh, to bring up an earlier convo you have with CV, I just want to add on to this. Um, you know, in case, let's say, the winner of DDP and Sean is either injured or, you know, they, they don't want to do a quick turnaround, could you see a possibility where Hamza Chimaev and Adesanya fight for the interim middleweight belt at UFC 300? And to be honest, in my opinion, I think that's a good fight to make, especially if there is an interim title on the line because the fans desperately do want that star power to carry the card, and I could see that happening if push comes to shovel. What are your thoughts on that? Have a great day, by the way. No, not going to happen. And if they honestly, if they put an interim title on that, if they do do that and then they put an interim title on it, it's so ridiculous. Like, that is, there are times where I'm like, okay, fine. Like, you want to do it, it makes sense. Like, give these guys extra money. Fine. Like, I'm okay with it. But this, after two guys just fought two and a half months prior, no. I, I have no, no. There's, 
there's certain times where the interim title is okay. This would not be one of them. And it doesn't appear that Hamza Chemaev is going to be back for 300. Who the hell knows? When you saw like the photos of him and, and the health issues and everything he was going through, I'd be kind of shocked if 300 is a thing. But yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Arnold Allen, Mavzarevloyev. If Mavzarevloyev goes and beats Arnold Allen, which I'm going to predict him to do, because I think he's really, really good, he is absolutely getting that exile shot. Now, there could be something standing in his way. If Ilya Teporia goes out there and just beats the brakes off of Alexander Volkanovsky and becomes the featherweight champion, Volk is probably going to get an immediate rematch. He will probably get it very quickly. And then Mavzar is going to have to wait. But if Volkanovsky goes and just beats Ilya Teporia, like he has done it, featherweight, to pretty much everybody at 145 that he has fought, then Mavzar is absolutely next in line. Absolutely. There is no other thing to do. You do not make Mavzar of Loya fight Max Holloway. You screwed the pooch with Arnold Allen putting him in there with Max Holloway, which, good, it was a good fight, competitive battle, Max wins, but now you knocked off a contender a guy from a place that you are looking to frequent multiple times. You can't just throw guys in there with Max every single time. Now, once Volkanovsky loses the belt or retires or moves on, then that's fine. Because then if Max wins, you can throw him in there for a title fight, at least if it's fresh. But nobody wants to see Holloway Volkanovsky 4. We saw everything we've needed to see. Volkanovsky won... The first fight, convincingly in my eyes. Second fight was super close and super competitive, but I think Volkanovski won. And then Volkanovski just out, just styled on Holloway in the third fight. And I have no reason to believe that that wouldn't happen a fourth uh, again. So, no, we do not give Mazar of life to Max Holloway. We don't do that. Let's go to, to Al. Or at least we'll try. Nope, didn't go through. We'll see if Four Corner Sports can get back in here. Do we have you now? Yes. <clears throat> so I was really intrigued when uh, Ariel ended up breaking the news about Saudi Arabia because everybody w was clamoring about USC 300. But I remember when Dana ended up saying that he's th this fight night card is going to be, you know, not like any ordinary fight night card. And when I was looking at it, I know you had like people like Jarzinho there. There was a matchup of Muhammad Mahayev versus Alex Perez. And it wasn't screaming like this is going to be like one of the best fight night cards and something that's worth watching. Uh, pretty much, if it's all true, it, it pretty much, uh, Saudi Arabia pretty much sold Dana White that your, your card ain't shit and come back with a better one. And if that's the case and if it's going to be uh, Islam versus uh, Justin Gaethje, then sign me up. That um, That's already a great uh, main event that you can put there for a pay-per-view. Um, I wonder if if June 8th is the, the correct timeline, what would be the, what would be like a layout that you think that um, Saudi Arabia would want for their first uh, UFC event over there? And then I saw that um, the UFC announced that um, I guess they're going to be, you know, going to India or they're going to be uh, partnering up over there. Um, did you, did, are you hearing anything of them going this year or is there, they just officially made like a partnership over there. 
And then lastly, um, Myra, Myra Buena Silva. I'm interested to see how she go. Uh, she fights Raquel Pennington. I feel like the fight's not going to last more than three rounds. Um, what game? What do you feel like? What do you feel that um, Myra Buena Silva has to do um, to get um, Rocky out of there quickly? Because I just feel that um, Rocky Pennington is has been on a good um, good streak, but I think Buena Silva has all the momentum um, since the Holly home fight. All right, thanks, Mike. I mean, it's tough to say with the momentum. I'll get there in a second. The India thing I saw the post. Um, I don't really know what it means. Looks like they want to get over there, and it wouldn't be a bad idea to get over there. Uh, I've had a lot of people from that area call into the show and say, "Look, we have this amount, this this many people. They have to come here, and none of them are wrong. So I do think they'll get there at some point, and that will be good." Uh, I don't know if they do kind of like a road to the UFC over there. That wouldn't be a bad idea to like introduce us to some of the up and coming fighters over there. Maybe bolster the roster a little bit with talent from that area. I don't think that would be a bad idea at all. But as far as like specifics, no clue. No clue as of right now. Meyer Buena Silva. She is a killer, man. And look, there is momentum there from a winning perspective and a performance perspective but the whole positive drug test and all that she's gonna have to live with that for a hot minute even though it's not steroids it's not anything like that she has ADD she's had her whole life she's been dealing with it forever and all that so I'm curious to see how she has handled herself in that aspect she has also talked a lot about Juliana Pena and maybe there's a part of her that is overlooking Raquel Pennington in order to get to Juliana Pena, who you would expect would be next to fight the winner of that fight. But dude, she's, she's a bad... Myra Bernstein is really good. She's a killer. She's got a killer instinct. She's super good. And Pennington's really good, too. We'll see. Pennington, to me, Pennington needs this more. She needs it way more than Meyer Buena Silva does. Because after that fight against Amanda Nunes for Pennington, I was like, there's no way she's ever getting a title fight again. Because she got, she got massacred in that fight. Like, that was, that was a one-sided, almost uncomfortable-to-watch beatdown. And it was one of those things where, it was one of those situations where we were blaming the ref almost blaming Raquel's corner and her coaches for like, why are you not stopping this fight? Like throw the towel in, like live to fight another day. It was one of those situations, but she's obviously been able to bounce back and she's looked good ever since. So, but Raquel is probably, this is it. She doesn't win on Saturday. She's, she's never getting a title shot ever again. Meyer Buena Silva, if she loses, I don't rule her out of the title conversation. So I think Pennington needs us more. And we'll see if she can come through. We talk about fighters who, especially, you know, when in, in the guys, when they become new dads, they become like new fighters. Kel Pennington's a new mom. And we'll see how that translates to her motivations and the way she approaches this fight. I think it's going to be pretty competitive. I do. I do think Silva's going to win. But if you're, if you're Mario Brando Silva, you want this fight, like Four Corner Sports said. 
three rounds or less, because I think the longer it goes, the more it favors Raquel Pennington. Let's go to Cole. What's up, Cole? Good morning, Mike. Um, let's talk about Jim fucking Miller, all right? Yeah. We are in – I mean, people's talking about this Hall of Fame debate. We are not in the same spot that we were last year with this debate, even. This guy's won five of six or something like that. He's ahead of, like, Oliveira and fights and wins and up there with the submission wins. It's like, dude, like – I was one of these sticklers who's like, no, you got to be a champion or something like that to be in the Hall of Fame. But, man, like, I don't know. He's done it for me. Like, he's – like, the company that he's with, like, with some of these numbers that he's putting up, my God. And also, speaking of the Myra Borna Silva-Raquel Pennington fight uh, this weekend that no one's talking about, I don't know if you heard, but on the MMA Hour, she's – Ariel said she's coming in or calling in on Wednesday to give her a pick. And I think that, like – any fighter who gives a damn, like Juliana Pena, God, I'm a fan of her. She gives a damn. She's going on the show. She's going to make her pitch. She's going to talk shit. She's going to make, sh- make sure she gets the winner of that next one or the winner of this fight. So I don't know. God, I just didn't think I would be this much of a big of a fan of Juliana Pena like in the last two years. But I don't know. Like she knows how to run this fight game and make the women's fights mean something. I don't know. Just talk about that. Talk about Jim fucking Miller. I mean, I don't know if you're going to get a lot of people agree with you on the Juliana Pena thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, she's got to feel pretty confident that she's getting the next title shot. I mean, literally, who else is there? There's literally nobody else. Unless Ronda comes back. And then if that happens, then Juliana ain't getting a title fight. But I don't think Ronda's coming back. So yeah, she's got to feel pretty good about her getting the title fight. And if I'm her, and she's already kind of talked about this, when Ariel did the live show before 295, Juliana was a part of it and said she kind of wants MBS to win because MBS will talk a little shit with her and help promote the fight. Although Raquel Pennington has not had kind things to say about Juliana Pena over the years as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Jim Miller is, I mean, look, Jim Miller should be in the Hall of Fame for a number of reasons. But the biggest reason to me, and we talked about this in the the build to last weekend's card, what he has done and what he continues to do will never, ever, ever, ever be done again. Ever. You'll never see this again. The more wins he gets to, to add to that record, the more unbreakable it becomes. We're never going to see this again. We're never going to see a run like this we're never going to see a guy compete in the octagon this many times. This is it. Like, enjoy this for what it is. And here's the thing about Jim Miller. The dude is get or get got right now. He is fun. And there was a long stretch of Jim Miller's career where he, he was not the most aesthetically pleasing guy to watch. But, man, over the last five, six years, Dude's been super fun. And maybe even like a little before that. If you guys haven't watched this fight, I would highly recommend it. I saw somebody tweet this fight out and maybe did a thread about it. And I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. First UFC pay-per-view I ever got credentialed to cover was one of the all-time worst pay-per-views of all time. UFC 208 was fucking awful. It was terrible. Really, really bad 
Main event was awful. Everything about it was bad, except for one fight. And that one fight was Jim Miller versus Dustin Poirier. And those two just beat the shit out of each other. And it is one of the more underrated fights of all time because it's on one of the shittiest cards that the UFC ever put on. It was so awful. But that fight ruled. So if you're bored and you want to see Jim Miller almost like a turning the corner kind of a fight and kind of seeing, getting more of an appreciation for Dustin Poirier, go watch that fight. It's awesome. It's so good. They just batter each other. Dustin Poirier is just fighting on all guts and grit on one leg because Jim Miller's just chewing his leg up. It's just such a good fight. It's so good. And yes, Jim Miller should be in the Hall of Fame. He's the he's the Cal Ripken of MMA. He's the Cal Ripken of the UFC. Unbreakable record. It's never going to be broken. And these records that are never going to be broken are starting to pile up. Because I don't think anybody's beaten DJ's record. I don't even know if we're going to see a, a champion defend the title in d- double-digit times in one reign. I don't think we're ever going to see that again either. So... Enjoy Jim Miller while you have him because he is fun as hell. And if you give me Paul Felder, it doesn't seem like that's the direction they're going. At least that's what Paul's saying. Jim Miller versus Matt Brown sounds like a good time. I'm good for that. But Jim Miller versus anybody, UFC 300 is the way to go. If he is not on that card, I am going to lose my goddamn mind. I can tell you that right now. That will be promotional malfeasance. If that if Jim Miller is on the 300 card, it's been so built up perfectly. Uh, left lane MMA, go ahead. Hello, Mike. Can I be heard? Yes. Uh, that's good. Um, I just wanted to ask you a bit of a question regarding the flyweight division and roughly kind of where you would rank it amongst, I guess, the more underrated divisions and the divisions that have a kind of pool of these up and coming guys that I think is going under the radar. Because, in my opinion, if you look at like when people are talking about how good is the unranked guys in this division, you see, like, middleweight's got a great bunch of up-and-comers, like Ikram, Bo Nickel, all of them. Lightweight's got a bunch of good guys, you know, Brenner, Rebecca, all of those guys. But I think flyweight is actually probably a third place to those two right now because if you look at the guys, we had Josh Fan just fight. Felipe Daytona just fought against Manel Cap. He looked great. I think he'll be ranked. Tagi Ulanbekov is ranked, but he's coming up. He looked great in his last fight. Uh, we got Steve Ursegs coming up. Alessandro Costa, even though he lost to Urseg, I think he's still another good guy. I just think the flyweight division, obviously Makayev, Tyra as well, they're already in the rankings. But like, I think they've just got a bunch of new guys. And I think people, right now it just seems a bit, like not stale, but I think right now people are just thinking it's rematch city. Like we got Moreno, Royval. So far, win, whoever wins that, if I doubt Roy Val would get another shot. But even if Moreno does, that's another fight. El Baz is really the only guy in the top five, I guess, Kaikara France too, that hasn't got a title shot. So right now, I actually think the unranked, or not unranked, but like the bottom seven part of the top 15 and beyond is actually more, I don't want to say more interesting, because obviously the top guys are still going to have amazing fights. But in terms of new guys coming up, I'm intrigued to see all of those guys because I saw someone say the other day about Josh Van. He's like 22. He's seven. He's got 17 months. I don't call me crazy. I know he's not going to do it, but 17 months to get the John Jones thing. If it happens, it won't. But 
I think if they actually realistically did want to push the guy, I don't think he would get in that time. But I could see him, if he does continue to improve the way he is, because he looks phenomenal beyond the first round. I think he's got to sort that kind of thing out. Gives me Petty Yarn vibes, sort of, with that slow starter. But I think he'll do great in five rounders. And I think Josh Van, if they push him correctly, if they give him... I, I matched up David Dvorak as his next fight. I know that's not the most like eye candy kind of appealing fight, but it's a top 15 guy coming off a couple losses. So I think you make that fight. I think then you give him like a Perez after he loses to Makayev maybe. And then from there, there's only a couple fights away. So I think Josh Van, if they push him right, he's actually maybe two years away from a title shot. So I'm excited to see him and all the other guys. I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Thanks, Mike. Flyweight's great division. Remember they were going to get rid of that division? Do you remember that? Insanity. Insanity. Uh, think about this. I mean, lightweight's number one with a bullet. Bantamweight's number two. I will put flyweights. I will put flyweight at number five. Because middleweight is there. Featherweight, I think, is above flyweight. I think featherweight is actually... I think featherweight is actually the most underrated division. I don't think people give enough credit to the depth of featherweight. It's so good, and it's only going to get better. Flyweight is very good. I like what we're seeing from some of the young guns. Um, it's a really good division. They're in a great spot. They're in a great spot. They just don't have... They don't have a ton of star power right now. And I feel like Pantoja could be a guy that kind of carries this division for a while. But this also has hot potato-y vibes to it where we're not going to have like an established champion that's going to run amok and be the, oh my God, who the hell is going to beat that guy until maybe Mikhaev and or and or Tyra get to that spot. So... I love flyweight. I love it. I like the Moreno Royval fight. Here's the thing that flyweight flyweight's hit a tough week. Amir Albazi, look, you can't dog a guy for getting hurt, but I can tell you what, Amir Albazi is out of the title picture right now. He's gonna have to win at least two fights. Medal Cop, good God, man. What a fumble. What a fumble. Talk about it. He would have been better off just not fight, like pulling out of the fight. When he talks about being injured and every, or being sick and everyone's around him is like, don't fight, pull out. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do it. Like you just crushed yourself. He's in a, he's in an awful spot now. Now Brandon, if anybody, the, the, the guy who benefited from this the most is Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno beats Brandon Royval in any way, shape or form. He's getting a title fight. Like, he's getting another opportunity at Pantoja. And that may not have been the case if everything stayed the way it was originally sketched out. But, God, man, Manel Cop just buried himself. Not good. And now he's got a lot of work to do. If he went out there and fought Mateus Nicolau and made weight and ran his ass over, Manel probably gets the title shot. But now, a lot more work to do. Not good. Sometimes you just have to... Get out of the way of your own self. And Manel didn't do that. He's done that to himself a few times. 
And now he's going to have a tough road getting to a title fight. So unfortunate. But you got to make weight. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Terrence, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, hey, buddy. Just so you know, he's not the only one when it comes to doing the team. I'm a fan of hers as well. Um, she brings fun, and whether you love her or hate her, it kind of gives me wrestling vibes. And like most people, that's where I started out as a wrestling fan and got into MMA about 14 years ago. So he's not the only one with that. Um, I wanted to talk about Francis. I don't know if this was asked within like the last like few episodes. Um, on MMA Hour, he talked about that he wanted these fights and things of that nature. And like this, they're the winner of the AJ versus him will fight for the belt next. But in the interview, he stated that he don't care too much about the actual belt. He doesn't want to fight for the belt because of the fact that the politics and the everything behind it, he was like, I will fight for it if it's like a tricking because I can use it for like decorations or whatever. And I don't think people really caught up on that. Do you think that Francis himself will get people to not care as much about the belt once they have, because of course you need the belt typically to make stars, but once they're stars, they really don't really care about the belt per se. It's just more about the money fights. Um, and then the last question I had, um, Luma is going to be fighting Bruna like, in like a month. How do you think that fight's going? I really wish they had an atom weight fight uh, class so that way they can fight in their natural weights. But how do you think that fight is going to go? That's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. I don't know. It's, tough. it's it's a little early, but yeah, it should be a fun fight. I like the uh, I liked the matchup. The Francis thing, I don't know. He's he's probably right. Francis is a star. He already is a star. And the Tyson Fury performance put it over the top. You want to know what Francis has done incredibly well? He got into he got over with Saudi Arabia real fast. The, the ones with all the money, they love France Ngano. He's reliable. He will show up, and he will bring it. That's why he's making all this money, and that's why he's getting these opportunities, and that's why the UFC is probably not doing an event in March because the Saudi Arabia is like, no, bring us something good, and then we'll pay you this money. But until then, no. Bring that card to the apex. Don't bring it here. Francis, completely different. He's probably right. Francis can just box in Saudi Arabia for the rest of his career. He's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So no, he doesn't really need a belt. And guess what? Saudi Arabia and in in collaboration with the promotions, they're just going to make their own belts. They're just going to create their own titles. And people will buy it. They will love it. So good for Francis. I mean, the guy just 
all he does is win. Even when he loses fights, he still wins, and it's the best story ever. I love it so much. One Toro, go ahead. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Um, good. My question is, do you think the UFC is moving too fast in, in the manner of setting fight cards? Because as you mentioned earlier or previously uh, about the Saudi Arabia card, how it was lackluster in their building um, of the card, do you think the, the UFC is moving too fast? Even in terms of like the 300 card, how they weren't even able to um, have a big reveal, how they're just giving each fight sporadically. Like, in my opinion, I don't really like the way they're doing it, but um, do you feel the UFC is moving too fast in the way that they're building these cards where they're having back-to-back events where um, you're not really seeing the best fights that you want to see? Um, thank you, and that's, all, that's my question for right now. Yeah, but they have to fill 42, 43 fight cards, and they have to fill 12 to 14 pay-per-views. It's too, like, people come at me all the time when I say there's too many fight cards. But there are too many fight cards. And this is what happens. This is what happens when there's too many fights and too many cards that you have to fill. Especially when you're embarking in new territories, especially in Saudi, when they're paying you a $20 million site fee. Like, you can't just, as hot as the UFC is, you can't just roll into Saudi Arabia with a fight night card. You have to roll in there with something big. The same thing like Abu Dhabi. Like, first pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi was Habib versus Dustin Poirier. And then they did the Fight Island thing. And now, like, look at every single card they've put on there ever since. There's something good. There's multiple title fights. There's two big fights guaranteed. And then a whole bunch of intrigue matches. Like, that's what Saudi wants. They want that. Something that or better, you know? So maybe there's a part of that. It's just like moving too fast geographically in terms of like putting these relationships together. But I mean, there's only so many cards to fill. You got 299 the following week. At least that's how it was scheduled. Then you got 300. You had 298. And now you're going to have to book all these other cards in term. You're going to Mexico City. You're going to all these different places. So it's kind of like impossible to go too fast because you have to book so many cards. This TV deal is going to be real interesting. I hope that we, we shrink this overall card number down a tad. I'm not saying do 26. I'm saying do like 36, 38. Shave four to five cards off of the schedule. And I think you're good. I think you're good there. There should be a week, there should be a Saturday off every month. You got to make people miss you while you leave. Why do you think there's why do you think there's so much motivation for people to watch Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker? They're like, "Man, we haven't had UFC in a month. Like this is good." And it, and then they're going to have 297. Like it's a, it was a perfect appetizer that we go into 297. And you know what the, what is brilliant about the start of the schedule? After 297, guess what's, guess what's going on the final Saturday? The following Saturday. Nothing! They took a Saturday off. Which is brilliant. And then we go back to the Apex. At least we get a week off to miss them. Before we get, I believe, what's the, that's the 
the Delize card versus Imovov, which isn't very good. And then we go to February 10th, Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Robinson. Not tremendous. But at least we're building up some steam. We're giving them a chance to go away so we can miss them a touch. And then they come back. Remember last year? They, they went 17 weeks in a row. That's insane. That's insane. It's tough to keep up those numbers. It's tough to keep those numbers. And when, when they do have to try to keep them up, why do you think we're getting 35 to 40 contracts on the Contender Series every year? Because you've got to fill these cards. Now, on paper, I liked the card this past Saturday. Losing Manel Cop, Mateus Nikola was, uh, was a little tough. But there's a lot to like about the rest of the card. But you can't say that about all the Apex cards. Not even close. Not even close. All right. We got three people waiting. You will be the final three. We'll go quickly. You got about 10 minutes. Ani, go ahead. Hello. Yes. You. And uh, <clears throat> first things first, I'm not the kind of person who sort of celebrates others' misfortunes. I mean, having the Abu Dhabi, sorry, the Saudi Arabia card postponed, I'm pretty sure there are loads of fighters. I mean, hopefully they get their fights, but especially those who have visa restrictions, they might be affected by this move. But I am so happy that UFC got this reality check that they're going to Saudi Arabia with a fight night. And they can still do well with a fight night. Like, imagine if you had... I know I keep coming back to this, but imagine if you had Max Holloway headlining it and then Edson Barbosa fighting someone like a Nate Landwehr, and then you have Ikram Alaskarov, Mohamed Makayev, you know, all these really nice names. You can still start a fight night and, you know, make it special, right? And they don't do that. So I'm glad that they were given this reality check saying, you know, if you're, if you're coming up, if you're coming to us with this, fuck right off. And I'm really happy that happened. And maybe it turns out to be <clears throat> a pay-per-view in June. But and quickly switching gears, um, I think Juliana Pena, while her gimmick and um, the way she conducts herself might be a bit irritating sometimes, but you got to give it to her, man. Every time she fights, like, the fights, they might not be interesting, but, like, I... Tell me you weren't enjoying the Amanda Nunes, uh, you know, both the Amanda Nunes fights. Like, it, they were good fights in terms of they kept you engaged because while Juliana Pena wasn't doing anything, but there were moments where, you know, you felt like maybe she might pull it off. Like, she leaves her heart out in the octagon, and I think um, so the bantamweight division could, you know, use someone like that. And I feel... You know, thing, UFC does stupid things like, you know, why would Rose, why would you put Rose Namajunas in the apex of all the places? Like you could have put her as a co-main event on the Saudi Arabia card with Max Holloway headlining it. I just feel like, I think like when they are making these decisions, I think they're perfectly aware that they suck and they still do it. I don't understand why. And having that said, like I want to conclude by saying... Uh, last Sunday, uh, I ran for 10 kilometers for the first time and felt good. Just thought I'd share that with you. Yes, and no questions, just a rant. Thank you, Mike.
Thanks, man. Well done. Well done on the the ten k. Yeah, look, Pena is probably the face of this division right now. Especially without Amanda there, she's probably the face of the division. I mean, what what can you say? You either like her or you don't. She has incredible Vicky Guerrero vibes when she starts talking, and Vicky Guerrero, while she wasn't loved by many, was over like Rover. And I guess that's what Juliana Pena is doing. The Saudi thing, like they got humbled up a little bit, apparent if this is all true. Um, but this is what I was trying to say over like the last few weeks. Like you can't bring a Max Holloway main event to Saudi. You can't. You can't. You have to bring is. That's why I kept saying like, could we see Isla Makachev versus Justin Gaethje headlining that card in March? That was the one I was favoring the entire time. I also I also didn't know that Islam was dinged up until Dana announced the Sarukian Oliveira fight, and then at that point I was like, "Ooh, what are you going to do now? Now what? You can't go to Saudi when they're paying you twenty million and bring a fight night card. You have to bring sizzle. You have to bring a title fight. You have to bring, probably bring multiple title fights." So I guess for the UFC and I guess for Saudi and I guess for the fighters, the visa issues is interesting. Do they move some of these fights? And like, do they move March 2nd just to the apex and still do Mahayev and Alex Perez and Jarazinho and, and Godziev? Like, do you do that at the apex? I don't know. If not, do we just push everything back three months? I don't know. But you need title fight. You need stars. Max is a star, but you can't... Like Max Holloway fighting... Who's Max in a fight? Who would Max fight? Like Max Holloway versus Josh Emmett? Like that's not... That's not a $20 million come to our place main event. It's not. You need a title fight. You need a star. That ain't gonna do it. So... At least now they're going to get it. And that's good. All right, real quick. Tristan, then Chiefs fan, then we got to go. Tristan, go ahead. Okay, I want to talk about... Whoa. Can you hear me? You are... Yeah, you sound like you're riding a wave of wind. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, um, I want to talk about uh, Fareed Basharat on his, uh, his performance. Um... He was just. I'm really high on him. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do. He's gonna go far. Um, that dude is a thinker. His eyes. I mean, I think you uh, actually um, mentioned it on the post like show of how strategic he is. And um, listen, I, I expect him to be top 15 by the end of this year, heading into uh, 2025. Um, at some point, that man's gonna be champion. I'm again. I'm that high on him. But the thing is, too, um, I don't think he's going to be in the bandweight division. After he gets in the top 15 or the top 10, I think he's going to move to featherweight because of his brother. Now, they haven't discussed it yet. They will talk about it as they go further in their career. But do you think he's going to make that move to the featherweight division in the later years? Because I think if he goes to the featherweight division, he's beating everybody. I'm, I don't, I'm just that high on him. And by, I think by 28, when he's 28 years old, I think he's going to be champion. I'm, I'm just, just a matter of when. 
once he gets there. So just your thought about Fareed, his performance, because he, he fought a tough guy. That guy is hard to uh, submit. That guy that he fought was his takedown defense is elite. He might be another problem in that bantamweight division, but he almost choked out that guy, uh, his opponent. So, again, just your thoughts about Fareed. Um, do you think he'll make the move to featherweight at some point? And that's all I got. Thanks, Mike. I don't know. Too soon to tell about featherweight. I don't think he's going to be ranked by the end of the year. I just don't think he's going to get the fights. Um, I don't even know if Javid's going to be ranked by the end of the year because I don't know if he's going to get the fights. Like, Javid Basharad deserves to fight a top 15 guy. Uh, he's fighting Eamon Sahabi, or at least that was what was scheduled for Saudi, which is probably not happening anymore unless they move it. Like, uh, he'll probably go and beat Eamon Sahabi, but that's not going to get him ranked. And the problem with both of those guys is that this ain't under-the-radar stuff. Like, everyone's high on both of these guys. So the risk-reward factor in fighting either of them, it's just not in the favor of a ranked guy right now. So I think they're going to have a really tough time getting fights. I think their, their road, even though we all see their talent, I think their road up the rankings is going to take a while. I think it's going to take some time. So... I liked what I saw from Fareed. This is a good showing. I love the fight with Lapalus. I had questions. Eventually, especially at 35, you're going to get to a point. Like, here's the fight I kind of want to see. I think Fareed Basharat versus Ricky Simone is the fight to make next. I want to see what he can do with his fight IQ against a guy who is a super athlete. And I know Ricky kind of got outgritted by Mario Batista. But Ricky Simone, in terms of like athletic prowess, is probably top three in that entire division. He just is. He's a freak. And while Fareed is up there in the fight IQ game, and his in-fight decision-making is up there with, I mean, almost anybody right now, from what I've seen, him and his brother, the athleticism... It's, he's a good athlete, but he's not like a spectacular athlete. And I want to see what he looks like against a guy who is a spectacular athlete. A guy like Ricky Simone. Like, I think that's a great next step. Simone's lost two in a row. Just got boxed up by Mario Batista in the last three minutes of that fight. This is kind of the position Ricky's in now. Javid's got a fight booked. Ricky wants to bounce back in the next three months. Throw him in there with Fareed. Let's see what he can do. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see how he measures up against a really stud athletic fighter. And if he can sit there and still have a performance like that against a guy like Ricky Simone, then it's like, all right, we got something here. I'm not saying we don't have anything here, but I want to see what is. I, that's like the next thing I need to see. When, I'm, when I look at a prospect and I'm like, yep, that's the guy. Because I saw that with Armin Sarukian from moment one. When I saw that guy fight when he was like 20, 21 years old, I was like, holy shit. This guy has the skills, he's got fight IQ, and he's a fucking super athlete. He's the five tool. Like Armin Saruki to me is like when you're a baseball scout, you have the tools. Like Armin Saruki, the first time I saw him fight, he was a five tool player. I knew it. Second I saw him, like this guy is going to be a UFC champion. He's going to fight for the belt, he's going to win the belt. Even at 55, he's going to be a champion. And I'm not quite there with Fareed, but 
throw him in there with Ricky and maybe we'll check off another box. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I was super impressed. Guy's really good. Fight IQ is through the roof. Uh, Chiefs fan, take us home. You got to unmute yourself and then you can take us home. Chiefs fan. All right, here we go. There we go. Heck of a morning to you. Hey, I got a real Same. quick one for you. Is Raquel Pennington being overlooked here? Because I kind of think that, you know, she's a much more physically stronger fighter. And in the clinch, I, I think that she could drag, you know, Silva to the cage and beat her up there. I really do. I think she's physically stronger. And as long as she doesn't want to get into a kickboxing match with uh, Silva, I think she's got one hell of a chance to win this fight. And that's all I got. I mean, I think she's being somewhat overlooked by like the fan base. From a betting perspective, I think the lines are pretty spot on right now. Meyer Buena Silva's minus one sixty two. The comeback and Raquel Bennington's plus one thirty six. I think it's spot on. I think it's a spot on line. I'll tell you what the the Raquel Bennington style of things, um, the grimy push up against the fence and make you work style. Honestly, it's probably her best bet. It's probably her best path to victory. And boy, is that not going to be fun to watch. Raquel has gotten more fun, but honestly, like this is probably her best path to victory, and it's not going to be compelling, unfortunately. But who knows? Maybe mom Raquel is just an absolute beast, and she's getting ready to go hammer and tongs with Meyer Buena Silva. This reminds me a little bit of Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes, where everyone's like, all right, Amanda Nunes is going to kill her. She's just going to run her ass over. And then Juliana Pena survived the first round and then just beat that ass and won the belt. And then they fought again and we saw what happened. But yeah, I think the betting lines are where they need to be. I think the betting population is looking at Pennington as somebody who's potentially live. I kind of feel like this line's going to close a little bit tighter by the time we get to fight week. And I think there's a concern at least for me, like if I'm betting on Meyer Buena Silva and I have to, it's watch party week, so I have to place bets this week. There's a part of me that is almost shying away from MBS because I think she might be overlooking Raquel Bennington. I think she's looking at Juliana Pena. I think she's, there's a part of me that feels like she's looking past her and are looking to the next thing. So there is a concern there. Let me just, I'm just looking at the lines right now and seeing what's kind of, Interesting here. There's some big favorites on this card. Jasmine Jastavizius, minus 360 over Priscilla Cachoeira. Jillian Robertson, minus 245. That's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. Seems a little... A little hefty. Yeah, I mean that's that's a line I would uh, I might take a little stabby at right there. What else we got? Uh, do, 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 do. Chris Curtis almost a minus two hundred. Mike Malott minus three forty five against Neil Magny. It's a big that's a big number right there. And Sean Strickland minus one forty two against Rick Stuplesy. It's gonna be fun. This is gonna be a fun watch, guys. It's gonna be a fun watch. So. But yeah, I think that there is a little bit of truth to 
people overlooking Raquel Pennington. I feel like people have been overlooking Raquel Pennington most of her career, and especially since the Amanda Nunes fight, when she just got battered all over that octagon. I think people have been overlooking her ever since, but she's doing the thing. She got back to the title fight. Good for her. Good on her. All right, we are done. Thank you all very much. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We might even do a live show this week. We might even do a live show maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know. I'll talk to the powers that be, but it is a pay-per-view week, which means we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll have a preview show Friday. We'll have people's pre-fight show Saturday. Weigh-in show Friday as well. We'll have multiple sets of boots on the ground in Toronto. Uh, my best friend, A.K. Lee, will be boots on the ground. Jose Youngs, I believe, is traveling to Toronto as we speak. So we'll have multiple sets of boots on the ground, watch party, etc. It's going to be a good time. The pay-per-view season is back, my friends. The pay-per-view calendar year. And it all starts at UFC 297 this Saturday in Toronto, Canada. So thank you all very much. See you back here on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.